The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. chapter 5. title of the message this evening is Normal versus Abnormal. Normal versus Abnormal. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person or covetous man, which is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with these vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye therefore partakers with them. Be not, be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk children of light. Father, I pray that you would bless this time. We thank you for your word, for the availability of it, for the dependency of it. That, Father, we can come to your word night or day and know that it is trustworthy. It has stood the test of time. And, Father, Lord, when the men of this world who are angry and frustrated past, the word of God will stand forever. I pray, Lord, that help us as we anchor our soul upon this rock, as we think upon these things, that, Father, we'll be thankful for it, that you would speak to us through it. And may we be willing not just to hear it, but to obey it. We thank you for this time, and again, ask for our pastor that you'd bless him and help him. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. For you were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. If God wants to test you, all he has to do is give you a bad neighbor. I'm convinced of that. I've had a few bad neighbors. I've had a drug dealer, which I've talked about, that I thought was going to take the life of, of my wife and kids and me. I've had some college kids that I wanted to take their lives. <laughs> Played rock music up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And now we have the dog. No, I like dogs. Well, I used to like dogs. I was raised with dogs. <laughs> my, my parents had dogs. They, had, uh, they, especially, they especially liked Dotsons. 
They love Dodson. So we had Brie, a little bit, Pepper, and Peanut. And they would all find their way in my bed at night, one beside me and one in the middle of me. I mean, they'd just be all over, you know. And they'd whine in the middle of the night and wake me up if I didn't get them up and put them on the bed. So uh, I grew up with dogs and loved dogs. But, well, you know, when a dog barks and 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 barks, uh, it's a little too much. So the other day, on a Friday, I was at home, and I tried to at least one morning a week, Thursday or Friday, I, I tried to spend time studying for just a time like this, where pastor may say, I can't go, you're up. So uh, I tried to spend a little time, and it was a Friday a few weeks ago, and uh, it was about 9 o'clock, and the dog started barking. You know, and I let it go. I tried everything, turned the fan on, you know, everything, turn everything on, try everything, but just kept yelping. And it's not that, it's not a roo roo. It's that yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it drives you. I have no hair or not much of it, so I can't pull it out. So, you know, I thought to myself, self, why don't you go over and maybe speak to these folks? And maybe, maybe, possibly, they will, the dog, they'll do something about the dog. So I, you know, finally get around to it, and I go over there, and I, I knock on the door, and I said, ma'am, uh, uh, the dog, your dog, it's barking, and it just keeps barking. And she looked at me, and she said, well, you know, it's a dog, and that's what dogs do. Well, the conversation went south from there. I didn't get anywhere with her, you know, so... I pretty much, that was uh, pretty much it, and I went back home and uh, kept listening to the dog bark. And so, uh, but I got to thinking about that. I started thinking about, you know, what, what, what was I really expecting the lady to do? I mean, she was, I, she was doing what normal people do, right? The world out there normally is, because of all of us, we're sinners. We're born sinners, I mean, naturally, I expected, hopefully, that maybe uh, she would somehow see the situation and maybe change it for me. But uh, I got to thinking about, you know, life in general that really we're normally, we're normally, we're born normally bad. The normal that all of us come out bad. We're, we're sinners. We're, we're liars. We're cheats. We're unfaithful. We're wrong. We're wicked. We're vile. And that's what the Bible tells us about us. We have no spark of goodness in us. We have no spark of divinity. We're not sometimes good every once in a while. We're all bad. We're bad. We're sinners. So I, I, you know, I thought, well, this, this is normal. I should have expected her to reject me. I should expect her to say no. So I started thinking about my life before. And really, when I was a kid, I had dogs. And I really didn't care who they bothered. I mean, they just, they just did what they did because they were dogs, and dogs do what they do. And before I became a Christian, I didn't really care about anybody but myself. You know what the Bible backs that up? Let us first tonight glance back at our lives before God. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read several, several different verses. In Ephesians chapter 2, this is who you were before Christ Jesus. This is who we all are, were, before Christ Jesus. 
Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, and Paul writing here to the church of Ephesus, he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and you who have quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, the lust of our flesh, fulfilling desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by, the nat- by nature the children and wrath of wrath even as others. Wherefore, verse 11, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are uncircum- uh, called the uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. And listen to these words. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's who we were. That's who we all were. There are no exceptions in this room. That, those verses represent every one of us. We were all, we were all like that. To the church of Colossae, uh, Paul writes in, in chapter 2, verse 13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, he writes, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And what does he say in verse 11? And such were some of you. That was us. That was the norm. That's who we were before Christ. That was the norm. Some of you were saved from a life of wickedness. You know what it's like to wake up from a hangover or from a drug addiction. You know what it's like to be involved in deep sin. Today you're saved. Your life is different. But remember what your life was before Christ. But some of you didn't live a life of wickedness. You lived a life of self-righteousness. And Paul did too. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4, he writes, Do I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he, that he hath where, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more, and this is his resume, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. The reality is whether you lived a life of wickedness or you lived a life of self-righteousness, the end is the same without Christ Jesus. In eternity without God. Some may say, man, I lived a life of of wickedness and and rioting and drunkenness and partying and this and that. Thank God he saved me. And you may say, well, I didn't do any of that. I lived, I I obeyed every little rule in the house. I watched my P's and Q's. I, I was a good little boy and girl. Both, both without Christ are lost 
and condemned for hell forever because they know not the truth. But you know what? From time to time, we need to glance back. And I say glance specifically because I think if we, if we gaze back, we have to be careful. We're careful to, uh, to endanger ourselves. Remember Lot's wife. But every once in a while, we glance back and remember who we were before Christ. Why? Why? Because it keeps us humble. You ever see somebody who's obviously not a Christian? The temptation is to judge them. But instead of that, how about humble yourself and say, that would be me without Jesus Christ. My neighbor who doesn't care about me, that was me. The person who's doing the worst, most vile thing in the world, that was probably me too. Where would we be without Jesus Christ? It's easy to look at those folks and say, well, man, I would never, but really, we were all sinners, right? Before Jesus Christ. It keeps us humble, but not only that, it keeps us hungry, hungry to share the gospel with others because we see others and say, they're helpless, they're hopeless, they're hapless. And if not for Jesus Christ, those folks will die and go to a sinner's hell forever and ever and ever. One of the greatest adventures I have in my life is the the, the opportunity to share the gospel with with other folks. Just the other week, Pastor and I were out in San Carlos Park, right off of Sanibel. We were were walking down the road. We were promoting Biker Sunday. We met an old biker who had a couple of Harleys in his his driveway. We came up to him and said, he said, we have Biker Sunday. We're going up to LaBelle. We're going to have some of that succulent pork, pulled pork. And he said, I don't, I don't tell you what to believe, and you don't tell me. Get off my property. And we got off his property. And I thought to myself, if not by the grace of God, I'd be that just like that man. I'd be just like him. Oh, it keeps us humble. To glance back every now and then, realize where we came from, to realize the grace of God in our lives that keeps us humble and it keeps us hungry, hopefully, to share the gospel with others. Because, folks, people need the Lord. People need the Lord. People just like you. Remember who shared the gospel with you? Dear friend, I encourage you. Remember Al Hightower coming up here and encouraging this week to share the gospel with someone? Did you do that? Did you go that week and find somebody to share the gospel with? I was praying about that that week. And I was at nursing home. And usually at nursing home, it's just older folks at the nursing home. But every now and then, a nurse will stay or sometimes a daughter or a granddaughter or a grandchild. And that week, as I prayed for somebody to share the gospel with, I got to preach. And then after I preached, share the gospel with a young lady there who was with her mother who was in the nursing home. And it was a privilege and she said, I almost, I, I almost believe what, you, what you're saying. I almost, I, almost, I almost get it. She was close. I was thankful for the opportunity. Do we take the time in our busy schedule to stop and say, that dear soul needs Jesus Christ and we give him a track or share the gospel with him? Oh, dear friend, glance every now and then back to where you are, would be without Jesus Christ. And remember, you are where you are only because of his grace. There is none righteous. No, not one.
There's not one of us in this room can say, because of what I've done, I'm going to heaven. Not because of what I, I do and what I have or what I, what I do. I, I am where I am. You are where you are and have what you have because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Let us be thankful. Let us be humble. Let us be hungry to share the gospel. But not only do we glance back, remember what God, what we were before Christ Jesus, but let us ponder frequently our position in Christ. Because Paul doesn't just leave those folks with those words. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, if you're still there, he writes, he writes to the church at Ephesus, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enemy thereby, and came and preached peace unto you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone into the church of Colossae, verse 13, chapter 2. You hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Dear friend, that's a shouting, that's a shouting verse right there. He's forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. <laughs> and then in verse Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, he writes, but you're washed. You're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Realizing and pondering our position in Christ Jesus, what should it do? It should make us grateful. Because we have Christ now. Because we're in the body. We're in the beloved. Because our sins are forgiven, we should be thankful. Oh, it's easy to go day after day and be unthankful, isn't it? You get caught up with the woes and the worries of this world. But every day we should start the day with praise to our God and thankfulness on our lips, shouldn't we? Thank you, Lord, for another good day. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for what you've given me in Jesus Christ that today I can't go to hell. Thank you, God, that you love me so much you sent your son to die for me. Thank you for pardoning me. Oh, how thankful we should be. And you know what? In our gratefulness, it should cause us to give. It should cause us to give. Give of ourselves. Give of our time. The greatest thing you can do for God is to give your time, your talents, your treasure. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to serve as assistant pastor of Gospel Baptist Church. The opportunity to give my life to serve other people. Folks, it's the greatest thing you can do. It's so easy to get caught up in ourselves, isn't it? Caught up in our own things, in our own thinking, in our own way, in our own, in our own will. But to serve others, to see other people in need, the opportunity to, 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 to fix something or help somebody or, 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 just, or just encourage somebody in the way. What an opportunity. What a privilege it is to be grateful, to give. And it should help us thirdly to be hopeful, hopeful of God's future promises. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, 
for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Oh, dear friend, what we have in front of us is a whole lot better than what we had behind us. What we have in front of us is rest. What we have for us in front of us is reward. And what we have in front of us is a relationship with Jesus Christ that's not just faith, it's sight. That's coming to all of us. It's coming to all of us. Are you ready for it? Are you excited about it? Do you glance back once in a while and think about your life before Christ Jesus? Do you ponder frequently at your position in Jesus Christ and think about what he's done for you? And finally, if I may add tonight, do you recognize the warning not to return to the life of selfishness? Because really, what was life without Christ? Selfishness, wasn't it? It was all about us. What I can do, what, where I can go, what, 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 what I can get, what do I need? It was all about us. It was selfishness. But as Christians, it's not about selfishness. It's about the Savior and serving other others. Paul talks about this. He talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, there's a warning. A warning about meat offered to idols. You see, in Corinthians, these Romans, these pagans, they believed that the, that the meat uh, had, had demons in them. And the way to destroy the demons in the meat was to sacrifice it to the idols. Uh, and so, but if you ate the meat that, was, that wasn't sacrificed to the idols, you ingested that, the demons would be in your life. They would, they would, they would invade your life. So they would sacrifice this meat to the idols, but the, the meat that wasn't sacrificed to the idols was sold in a market. And a lot of times people would go by there and, and, they, would eat, and they would take the meat and they would eat it, especially people who weren't pagans, especially Christians. Christians who knew the meat didn't have, they knew the meat didn't have demons in them. It was just meat. But those who were involved in this paganism, those who were brought out of this false worship, struggled with this, eating the meat. And what does Paul say about this? 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, he writes, But take ye, lest by any means this liberty of yours, talking about the meat, become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee with hast knowledge, sit at meat, at the idol's table, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall, thy, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? Verse 12, But when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. What is that? That's not selfishness. That's selflessness. That's not focused on what I want. That's focused on the needs and love towards my brother. See, Paul could have said, hey, I'm a man. It's just meat. That's what we do. We eat meat. Paul didn't do that. He said, you know what? If I eat this meat that's offered to idols, in this market, one of my brothers who are weak, he's going to struggle, and it may bother him. I'll give up meat. I'll give up the meat for my brother's conscience. 
You see, positionally in Christ Jesus, we know we have standing. But the, the question is not only not our position in Christ Jesus, which is abnormal because we're strangers and pilgrims here. The question is that once we are in Christ Jesus, who is who and we act and we are abnormal, do we act in a normal way? See, positionally, we're in Christ and we know that. But do we act normally? Do we say in our lives, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I know I'm going to heaven. I'm secure. I have grace. I'm a, it's a dog. I'm a dog. That's just what dogs do. It's okay. Everybody else does it. We have a position in Christ Jesus. Abnormal. Abnormal from this world. But do we act normal? So that when people see us, they don't see a difference. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I ask you a question tonight. Are you living normally or abnormally? Your co-workers, your neighbor, the guy across the street, the guy you see at Walmart, Walgreens, and CVS. Do they think you're just normal? Or do they think there's something abnormal about that person? I glance back every once in a while. Be thankful that he saved you from wickedness and self-righteousness. Ponder frequently your position in Christ Jesus and recognize the warning not to look back. Not, not to focus on a life of selfishness. For folks, we are sometimes in darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the, the privilege to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Thank you, Father, for saving us from sin, from self-righteousness, from hell. We thank you for all you've given us, the grace you've given us. But Father, in the midst of this grace, help us, Lord, not to take advantage of it. Help us, Lord, to, to live an abnormal life, different from this world. The flesh, the world, the devil is constantly in battle with our soul. May we be different. May we be in such a way of lifestyle that people look at our life and says, that person must be a Christian. That person in their business, in their family, in their home, in their lifestyle. They, there's something different about them. May they see Christ in us. Help us, Father. How easy it is to be normal. May we be abnormal. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.